and welcome to Reed Scholars Live. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Fleming and current president of Reed Scholars. Today, I am joined by my friend and colleague, Dr. Michelle DaCosta, who is a practicing anesthesiologist. And today she is here to talk with us about her participation in the COVID-19 uh, clinical trial. So welcome, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you for the invitation. This is a great platform. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm excited about this topic and um, the unique opportunity that you had. And I think people will be interested in not just why you decided to participate in the trial, but why the vaccine is important overall. So um, jumping right in, tell us about this opportunity, how it came about, why you decided it was a good idea uh, for you as an individual, as a physician. Yeah, so for me, um, as an anesthesiologist, you know, we're the ones that are intubating these patients, we're managing their airways, we're placing epidurals, we're working with bodily fluids. So, it, you know, as a practicing anesthesiologist, it's been pretty scary in 2020 with COVID floating around. Um, so I really wanted to get an opportunity to protect myself and then protect my patients as well as my family. So um, I went online entered my information and said I was interested in entering one of the trials and just kind of waited to see if I could hear back if I'd be accepted in. And so, you know, that was very um, uh, resourceful, right, of, of you just deciding that you wanted to do it on your own, not without a prompt of someone else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we know historically, uh, especially people in the Black and Brown communities, especially in America, but all over the, the world have been a little leery of the clinical trial process, right? Like, is it safe? How are they gonna use my information? Can I trust it? Um, so take us a little bit through the process um, just so people can be encouraged that, the, you know, for in this day and age, most of the time, and we know we can't make any absolute statements, but uh, how these processes go and how you can, how you found it and did you feel safe um, and that your information would be used appropriately. Yeah, sure. So going online, when they announced that they were having phase three trials for some of the larger companies, um, they basically had advertisements saying, you know, submit your information and see if you qualify to be a candidate in the trial. So for me, some of the questions they asked, they asked like what kind of medications you take, have you had previous surgeries, any chronic conditions? Have you gotten COVID? And from my understanding, if you actually had COVID earlier in the year, it did not exclude you from the trial. So that's something to kind of keep in mind as well. So um, yeah, so I entered my information um, and I know like, as you mentioned earlier, there's you know some hesitation in the black and brown communities with medical trials in general, vaccines, mm -hmm. based on historical, you know, instances. So I totally understand that. Um, and I felt like for someone who is a scientist with a background with my education and being a physician, it was important to me to lead by example, you know, and, you know, try to help with the data and with the science, because I'm sure many people are concerned that even in these trials, how diverse are the patients in these trials. You know, if they're just a bunch of, you know, middle-aged white males, that doesn't necessarily, you know, represent our country right. or the people that are getting really sick from COVID or being hospitalized from COVID. 
So I felt like, you know, as a female, as somebody who has, you know, a history of chronic condition, that it was important for me to enroll myself into the trial. And, and just so people know, when you enter a trial, generally, you're not guaranteed that you're going to be in the intervention arm, right? So you could be in the placebo arm, which is the control group. Um, so those are the people are, that are being compared against the people who are in the intervention arm and in getting the treatment or medication, depending on what type of trial you're in. Um, and so talk to us a little bit about that process, just where people are kind of unclear on, on how clinical trials work, that even when you participated in the trial, there wasn't a guarantee you were going to be in the treatment arm, right? Yes, for sure. So I signed up online, entered my information, and about 10 days later, I received a phone call from a location in my city. And they asked if I was still interested in coming in and participating in the trial. And I said, yes. So I came in and when you first get there, they have a large packet of, you know, disclaimers and, you know, confidentiality and all this other information. They talk about their methods. I mean, it was probably 250 pages. So I was, you know, signing a lot of pages, wow. but basically they're just saying like, you know, what they're doing, like your possibility of having the vaccine or getting the placebo, things like that. And so it was kind of like all in there. So they're very thorough. Um, I was actually in the Moderna trial. So they had all the information there. If you wanted to, you know, have somebody look over it, you were allowed to do that and come back another day. You know, they were, they were, there was no pressure to like say, oh, are you going to sign? Are you going to sign? Right. Had, you had time to look it over on your leisure. I was on a time crunch between assignments. So I wanted to go ahead and get it done that day. So arriving there, you know, first you had a physical exam by a physician. Um, and then they kind of talked to you about, you know, well, basically it ends up being about two thirds of the people in the trials are getting the vaccine and about, you know, roughly about a third of them are not. And saying that, you know, everybody in the study here, people that are going to collect your samples for your pregnancy tests from your labs and doing all that. Nobody has any access to the information. Mm -hmm. There's only a small subset of people who actually know whether you're getting the vaccine or not. And they are in a separate part of the office. They um, don't really communicate with the doctors. So they don't, they don't know who's who or any other demographics. They just have you as a number. So it's, it's set up very nicely. It's very official you don't have to worry about, oh, like as a black person, I'm only going to get the placebo. I'm not going to get the vaccine or things like that because it's blinded to everybody. It's double blinded. So people that are actually administering the vaccine are the only ones who know, you know, what you're getting. And tell us a little bit. So a lot of people are worried about the side effects or any uh, adverse effects that might happen after you get the, the vaccine. So you had the, you've gotten it before, you know, the rest of us who are, uh, some of us are still waiting in line. So have, did you have any adverse effects, anything you were worried about? I mean, even tell us, were you nervous in real time about, about getting it? Yeah. So I signed up probably mid July and then I got the phone call, um, in September and I was really excited. And then when I got there, just talking about the numbers, the only thing I was really nervous about was if I was gonna get the placebo because they can't disclose whether you have a placebo or not until after the trial is done. So I was worried that I'd get these two injections and lose time, you know, and then think that I may have the vaccine and really don't and not, 
you know, have the protection and the antibodies. So that was really the only thing I was nervous about. Um, I was really, really hoping to get the vaccine selfishly because I do want to protect myself, my patients, and my family. So that's, you know, partially why I signed up as well as leading by example. So after, you know, having the physical exam, they took a lot of blood. They took um, eight vials of blood. Um, so that was a lot. And they really didn't say what the blood was used to test for because it's all confidential with the study. Um, made sure that I wasn't pregnant. I had to use some sort of birth control because you're not allowed to get pregnant between the injections or during the trial period. Um, and then at that point, they tested me for COVID. So they did a, the, the PCR nasal swab. Mm -hmm. um, again, even if I was positive that day, that wouldn't prevent me from getting an injection. But it's part of their data to see like, you know, people that actually do contract COVID and they have the injections, whether they get symptomatic and things like that. So after all that, then I finally got the injection. Um, so the person who had administered it was very skilled. I didn't feel a thing. Um, I was like, so then I got actually more nervous because I'm like, because <laughs> I didn't feel anything. And then they actually watched us for 30 minutes after the injection, just to make sure you didn't get lightheaded or dizzy. So I was just kind of playing on my phone. And then at the 30 minutes, they came back in to talk to me about the app, which I use to document any kind of symptoms, mm. any kind of reactions, my timeline. And then once I set up the app on my phone, then it was about an hour. So they basically wait an hour after your injection to make sure that you're not having any instantaneous reactions, things like that. And this is all taking place at a hospital clinic. So they have, you know, healthcare providers, there's a doctor there, they have everything you need in case there's any kind of adverse reaction help is there, the medications are there. Again, I had no reaction. After an hour, my I had nothing. My arm wasn't sore, so I was actually kind of a little bit sad. Yeah. Um, so then I went home, and about maybe an hour or two later, then I started to get that kind of like tetanus shot, flu mm -hmm. vaccine, arm soreness. So then I was like really excited. <laughs> and so... Um, as we were talking a little bit before we started, but I had the fortune to get my uh, COVID-19 vaccine yesterday. And so same thing, I, I didn't feel anything at the actual injection, which I was surprised, but you know, like you said, a skilled administer, but it is, it is sore today. It's so sore. Um, but similar to a tetanus vaccine, I'm always sore after those too. So, yeah. um, so we'll see how we go. But other than that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. have any side effects yet. So. Yeah, so after the first injection, just had the sore arm for probably three or four days. Um, it didn't inhibit me from, you know, doing daily activities. I did notice it was sore, but really there was nothing that would, you know, cause me to like call off from work or not do exactly. my job. And then four weeks later, I came back for my um, second injection. So at that administrate at that office visit, they did the same thing. They had me... Um, provide some urine for a pregnancy test to make sure that I was not pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, they did a COVID swab again to see if I was positive at that point. And they took eight vials of blood again from me. So oh <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> and then at that point, um, the same special team came in and at, was blinded to everybody else. And it was actually kind of funny because I was trying to like look and, you know, pay attention and um, the, the syringe, actually, the fluid was like a yellowish color. 
so I was like, interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So they didn't really cover up the actual syringe and plunger so you could see the color of the solution. So I was like, this is probably a good sign. And even um, at my appointments, when I was speaking to the doctor and the nurses, they all kind of made a comment like, you know, like, like, like you know, more than half of the people in our study are getting the actual vaccine. Um, and they're like, people have been reporting having more symptoms after the second injection. So just mm. kind of keep that in mind. So I was like, okay. So got the second injection, again, felt nothing at all, no arm soreness, nothing. So sat around for about 45 minutes. Then they came back, asked me a couple of questions, went over the app again. And then I left after an hour of that administration. So I was, you know, totally fine. Um, like, oh yeah, I don't get reactions. I wasn't really worried about it. Mm -hmm. um, so this was about four or five o'clock on a Friday when I was heading home. And I, you know, watched some TV and took a nap and woke up about midnight or so because I fell, fell asleep on the couch. And I was like really, really flushed and hot mm -hmm. and kind of sweating and like my back was hurting. And I was like, well... Maybe I just fell asleep funny on the couch, <laughs> right. you know, like, but I was really achy and it was just kind of weird. So I was like, oh, whatever. So I went upstairs to my bed, went to bed and then um, woke up the next day. And it, it, I mean, just to let you know, I felt like a truck hit me. Mm. Like I was really uncomfortable. I woke up. Um, I was completely sweated through all my clothes, but then also having chills at the same time. I had to go change my clothes. Um, my head was hurting really bad, badly. Um, and my neck was very stiff. And just my entire body was like achy and painful. So it was it was even hard to kind of hold my head up because my neck and my headache was, was so bad. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of, I have one of those recline in bed. So I lifted up the back of my bed and just sat and watched football in bed for the first, you know, couple hours. So I watched a couple games that Saturday and just was really just feverish and, you know, still having the body aches. Temperature was 103 in the morning. Then it was 102 after the sec after the first game before the second game. And then it was still 102 after the second game. So at this point, I'm like, okay, you know, about, it's been about, you know, almost six or seven hours. This is not kind of going away. So I took a cold shower, tried to like cool myself down with that, took my temp again, and it was still 101. Um, so this is like getting into late afternoon. So I'm like, you know, I tried as long as I could to wait to take mm -hmm. any medications as a good study patient. But at that point, I took two Tylenol and took my temperature 30 minutes later and then it was down to 98 and i just felt a thousand times better mm. like just had the sore arm at that point like my whole body just felt better like i felt cooler more relaxed my headache went away mm. it was fine so i think i, I want to underscore that um you know even if you have some residual reaction uh, or side effects, you know, your point is you took a couple of Tylenol and it happened about, about a day and it went away. So, um, you know, I know a lot of people are worried about that and, and how to address it. Um, and I know, like we know sometimes, I, you know, I get calls from patients and like, and they're all upset, I'm having this pain. And I'm like, did you take any ibuprofen or Tylenol? No. Okay, well, let's start there. Sometimes it's, the, it's the, you just need a little bit of intervention and things will get better. So um, talk to us just a little bit about 
why do you think knowing what you know, participating in the trial, being a physician, um, knowing that we're protecting not just ourselves as, as clinicians, but our patients and our families, why would you encourage people at this point to, um, to get a vaccine? Um, I would strongly encourage anybody who has the opportunity to get the vaccine to go ahead and get it, whether it's Moderna or another company, I would still recommend getting it because, you know, COVID is so unpredictable and now there's new variants out there. And, you know, as a black woman um, and just as a minority physician, just knowing the patients we see, the ones that are not doing well with COVID are black and brown people. And, you know, you can say it's due to all kinds of different reasons and they're probably all true, but this is one way for us to, you know, have a defense against it. So yeah, I would recommend, I mean, I was so lucky to get my injections in September and October. And then in November, I had the labs done after that second injection and had my personal doctor check for antibodies because obviously the trial cannot disclose any information. Right. And I had positive antibodies. So I was really happy about that. Um, and it just makes me feel more safe at work. Like I've been asked by colleagues to take care of COVID positive patients because they haven't received one or um, any of the vaccine injections yet. So, you know, I'm helping them out and helping out and keeping their family safe, but still providing quality care to these COVID positive patients. So, you know, we need doctors that are going to be willing to take care of these patients and having the vaccine is just one way to do it. But as I mean, I tell my family members, all my friends to go ahead and get the vaccine as soon as possible, because, you know, social distancing is obviously very important wearing a mask. But again, sometimes you can get COVID from pretty much anywhere and there's different strands. Some of them are becoming, you know, more contagious than others. Some of them are more aggressive. So it's just not worth risking it. You know, yeah, you have a little bit of um, flu-like symptoms for the first day. Guess what? If you get COVID, you may have flu-like symptoms for 10 days or worse. Or worse, months even. Some people are, are still sick for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And just having a close family member recently be admitted to the hospital, he was there for almost four weeks and he was sick a week before even going to the hospital. And he was very, very, very sick. And he is, you know, an elderly black man and he is healthy-ish, takes his medications, but, you know, he has the typical sleep apnea, obesity, all those things that are prevalent in our communities. So, you know, this everything was stacked against him and he was, you know, very, very sick for a long period of time. And he's asked me, should I get the vaccine? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. as soon as you can, yes, you should. Um, And I will tell everybody and anybody that, you know, it's your way of protecting yourself and your family and others. So if you have access to it, please get the vaccine. And I mean, I I think it's so important to um, reiterate how <laughs> unpredictable COVID is, right? I mean, there are people, and it's, and that's, you know, we say this with other disease processes. This is not necessarily unique to COVID, but um, how contagious COVID is, I think, is unique to this particular virus. But yes, you can be exposed and nothing can happen, or you can be exposed and you get pneumonia, or you can be exposed and you die, um, right? And, you know, we, we have all these instances of people who are in our age range, right? Who are not doing anything but going to work and taking care of patients and end up being a patient themselves. And I think right. that is super scary. And as a 
as a medical professional, not something that we necessarily anticipated. You know, we, we anticipate adverse outcomes. We anticipate taking care of very sick patients, but we don't necessarily anticipate going to work and being exposed to something that could kill us, which is, um, which is a very different way of operating in, in, in this yeah. year. And for people that are, you know, younger in their 20s, early 30s, or, you know, healthy, athletic, and you say, oh, well, if I get it, I'll probably be asymptomatic. But I'm saying after you have the infection, you don't know no how way. your body's going to be in a year or two years or five years. I mean, there's healthy athletes that are professional athletes playing football and basketball, and they're still dealing with residual complications from COVID, and they are elite athletes. So being young and healthy doesn't necessarily mean that even if you're asymptomatic during your period of COVID, you don't know what's going to happen in five years with your lungs. So it's just not worth the risk. If you have access to it, you know, you should get the vaccine. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, I often say medicine is magic. Like we don't, we don't know everything. It's not magic. We don't have the, the, all the answers. There, there are a lot of unknowns around COVID itself, around the vaccines. No, we don't have any long-term data, right? Because this just started um, less than yeah. a year ago. But from what we know, historically speaking, from the data and the science that we have, and when most of what we do in medicine is weighing risk versus um, benefit, and I think, um, as you just stated, the benefit of the vaccine definitely outweighs the risk of, of um, catching COVID and, you know, whether or not your immediate uh, symptoms are horrible or your long-term symptoms are horrible. Um, we don't know what they might be, but the short-term uh, possibility of having some flu-like symptoms, if you even have that from having the vaccine, is definitely worth protecting yourself for any of the long-term risks from COVID-19. So um, I, I think that is a perfect place to kind of close and, and talking about the vaccine. But before we go, um, I would like to ask you what you're looking forward to in 2021. So I usually like to end on an upbeat when we talk about these heavy topics, but we are getting um, to the end of this 2020 year and about to start a, a new year. So what are you looking forward to? Well, as you know, we are both travel bugs, so um, I am looking forward to traveling um, for a nice, fun vacation and being able to celebrate events. Um, so I would say travel is definitely number one on my list, and I'd probably say being able to see live concerts and, mm. you know, live sports in person again that may not happen in 2021, but, you know, mm. hopefully soon after that we'll be able to go to concerts again and travel and you know get to see family and friends and not have to worry about this so those are kind of my top three right there what do they say from your lips to god's ears let's hope so i am yeah. i am looking forward to that as well well thank you so much for sharing your time um, and your experience with us and i am um very sure this is going to be helpful to people just to understand and just to see you know somebody who actually went through the experience and understand what you um what you experience and also your recommendation to, to, to participate and, and get a, um, a vaccine if we have access to it. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye everybody.